0: As the coronavirus makes its way around the world and through the world of commercial real estate, I'm reminded of the importance in documenting the concern, strategies, and optimism of our time. This is a collection of the conversations that I'm having in real time with brokers, developers, and civic leaders, all impacted by the short and long-term effects of the pandemic. From one conversation to the next, the ramifications go from disheartening to encouraging. If you'd like to share your audio comment, you can do that in the link in the show notes below. This is Coronavirus in Commercial Real Estate.
1: My name is Ryan Shanley, and my partner and I own and operate Turn Club on the 100 block of Gay Street in downtown Knoxville. It's a tropical cocktail bar. We've been open about four months. We've been having a great time, and things have been going really well thus far.
0: It's really impressive what you
1: guys have done with that space. Yes, thank you. Um, we love where we're at and really couldn't have asked for a better start.
0: Well, how have things changed for you over the last couple of weeks?
1: We definitely noticed about a week ago things were starting to slow down. Had our slowest weekend to date um, this past weekend. And then we self-elected to close our doors Monday evening. We have not been open since... We've been closed Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday now, and and today. So four days we've been closed. On that weekend, and... that was your, your lowest
0: in terms of sales volume. What, is it, what does that mean yes. as a
1: percentage? Ballpark, I'd say we were down about 30%. Any insight on when you guys might be able to reopen? None at this time. Um, just kind of, I just saw that um, in the new Sentinel that bars have been mandated in Knox County to close their doors. It is now a health department mandate. And it's to be determined. So we will just kind of, you know, we're following everything closely and hoping that hoping that this issue, get, you know, the issue gets resolved and we can open up again.
0: When you look at something that's kind of unprecedented and you're, you're a new bar owner, but you've been around the uh-huh. bar business for a while and you look at the different things that you can do for your business, you've got one location. It seems like there's not much you can do. Is that a fair assessment?
1: It is, um, definitely, because we don't. We could maybe do. We contemplated doing some beer sales. Um, we do very, very minimal food. Um, I don't really see that as an as an option for us. I know that in certain states there have been some adjustments to liquor laws, um, and people are doing bottled cocktails, cocktails to go. So that's something we've contemplated, and again, are kind of waiting to see if. We are even able to do that um, legally at this time. We're not, but we're thinking sometime down the line if we are allowed, maybe bottling some of our most popular cocktails and setting up a day or two during the week for people to come pick those drinks up as some sort of alternative to have some, get some cash flow.
0: When they release that that mandate. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are pent up that are going to be excited to get out and and, and have a great time. And and when they do, I hope that they come support you and enjoy the great cocktails, you know,
1: that you have. And um,
0: I want people to know about you.
1: Social media. um, You can follow us on turn club. Um, That's our Instagram. That's where we're most active by far. And that's the best way to stay. We're on Facebook as well. Turn club. And, but I would say Instagram for those who have it is definitely the best way to stay up to date on, on what we're doing and um yeah getting insight into our business and kind of who we are
0: well i really appreciate you making time just to give us kind of a real-time update about where you're at i know it's painful for you but uh, i know that if there's a, a startup who can who can make a bounce back after something like this it's going to be you guys you've done really special things with that place you have great offerings and you're great people and looking forward to seeing people come back
1: out and support you Yes. Thanks for the, thanks for the support, Justin. I appreciate you reaching out and I'm glad you're doing this. I think communication and among owners and just hearing other people that are going through the same thing is really valuable right now. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Hang in there, bud. All right, Justin. Talk soon. Talk to you soon.
2: So I'm John Shirley. I'm the uh, owner of JKS Retail Development in Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm a real estate uh, developer focused on commercial retail development. My territory of uh, market area, I guess, would be from Washington, D.C., Maryland to Jacksonville, Florida, uh, I guess, Texas, back up to Memphis, including you know the Kentucky market also.
0: What have you seen in your pipeline over the last
2: couple of weeks? Oh, well, this is worse than 2008, 2009. There's no clarity. Nobody can see the other side. And we're right where we were when the banks all froze up in the fall of, I think, 08. But this time it's worse.
0: What are you hearing from sources of capital?
2: Oh, yeah, everything's changed. Everything's dramatically changed. Talking to bankers they're on a kind of a 90-day hold before they start dealing with their their clients. The retailers and are for, all shut down. For
0: folks that may not know, you work with a lot of national credit names and, and large retail developments.
2: Yeah, I've worked with most of them. I've been involved with a lot of very large developments. And then, so my projects nowadays run anywhere from $2 million to $40 million. And so it's all national credit tenants. And we national credit means it's either a publicly traded company or a regional large retailer or restaurant chain. What are you hearing from the retail community? The restaurant community is shut down. They don't want to hear about anything right now. I'm doing a couple of deals today in just the last two days that we're finishing up transactions related that will be deal structures that will be closing in 21. i am just closed a deal for this year, but they don't want to hear about anything else. So everything else I had in the pipeline is, is frozen. On the restaurant side, on the retail side, it's all dead in a doornail. The major retailers have basically canceled their their budgets for this year for capital expenditure. So if you had a project that was going to come open this year or you're in the middle of a project, you're in trouble. So for those
0: folks that may have several hundred thousand dollars in pre-development in some project and a retailer says, hey, we're not moving forward seems like it would present a problem.
2: The lucky thing is, is while you've got investment capital into the project, you don't have debt. Everybody's talking about extending today. So what you're going to see on any of the pre-development projects, projects that haven't closed but are in the process of trying to close this year and start construction and do deliveries and so forth, they're just going to extend contracts with their sellers, the land sellers. So, you know, and everybody's just on a wait and see basis. And that's what I'm doing. I'm just extending. I just renegotiated a very large project in the middle Tennessee market because the seller recognizes that the world has changed dramatically. There's always an opportunity to make something out of nothing. And so that's what we're doing here.
0: When you think about a return to normalcy and what that looks like for you, you know, we have some, we have some insight about how long the virus takes before it peaks. And there's still a lot of unknowns with all of the uncertainty and the things that are known. What do you think a return to normalcy looks like for someone in your world?
2: Well, so we just wiped out about four years worth of growth in balance sheets, if not more. Return to normalcy is going to take another four or five years to recover. The problem is the balance sheets of all the participants, all the counterparties in the commercial real estate business. How's that going to look? And at the end of the day, it's going to have everything to do with what the government does and how the regulators of the banks deal with the banks. It's it's really in the in the hands of the banks and the government.
0: If you had a word of encouragement out there for folks that were getting in the business fresh this last year, what would you say to them?
2: I've been through this so many times in the last 30 years. I started in this business in in 92. And so that was my first project or first job as a real estate broker was to lease a resolution trust corporation property so a lot of people when the savings and loan crisis occurred as a result of the 1986 tax law change all the savings and loans went bankrupt and the government took all of their assets and put them inside of a company called the rtc and the job at the rtc was to unwind those assets and eventually sell them and so the first project I got was leasing a shopping center in Knoxville that was owned by the RTC, a very screwed up property. Then we had the 99 Asian currency crisis. We had the banks freeze up right in the middle of construction projects, big construction projects all across the United States. So we had to deal with that. And then, of course, we had the Great Recession that hit. You know, I've, I've seen it all. So we're going to survive. There's no doubt about it. The country's going to survive. It's just another trough and... The business cycle very much is not our doing. It's a, a, a biological event that's probably new to us in our generation. The world was in great position. The banks were in great position. Everybody was in a great position. We were always we were in a transitory environment from a retail standpoint and from a shopping standpoint, how people shopped and how that affected certain retailers were going out of business. But that's always going on. That's going on, on all the time. So that wasn't really it was changing the business but it wasn't it wasn't hurting the business then all of a sudden in two weeks i saw something interesting uh, there's a report that came across from uh, a company that's called placer ai and they track cell phone usage if you look at the report that just came out on se- march the second you had uh or really march it's really not march the second march second is the demarcation day that's when the world changed or you saw that the the resorts Wind resorts, Disney theme parks, foot traffic was up 31 and 18%, according to this report. And then you turn around, and here we are, March 14th is their date for their last deal. The resorts are at negative 98%. SeaWorld's down 62%. The retailers are all negative foot traffic. The only people that are up are the grocery stores and, interestingly enough, Home Depot and Lowe's. Of course, that in grocery stores includes Walmart and Sam's so the world has just changed in two weeks so much that it was unbelievable
0: it is unbelievable I'm grateful they've taken the time to provide some history and some context and some just real-time information about what's going on from from your particular perspective do you care if I follow up with you in 60 days and maybe again in a year and revisit the same topic and see where we are please do thanks a lot
2: take care
3: Uh, I'm Lacey Beasley, the president of Retail Strategies. We are a municipal consulting firm as an outsourced department of the economic development staff to solely focus on retail for cities. We're based out of Birmingham, Alabama, but we work in 32 states with about 150 municipalities uh, across the country. So with that, cities are highly motivated for sales tax jobs and quality of life, and they engage retail strategies to help them in that process. Last Friday, I went to a brewery with several friends and there were a few hundred people there all crowded together socially. And so it was still a little bit of a rumbling, but it wasn't nearly to the extreme I feel one week later about how our world has changed. By Sunday, we implemented with a work home policy, sterilized the office, spent all day Monday working on how to set up your home office and the technology we needed to incorporate that. It was about setting up enough VPNs and our jet packs and making sure people had adequate internet um, ability to access the internet and work from home. It was about looking at GoToMeeting versus Zoom versus Uber conferencing and all the different platforms that are out there to allow you to work from the call-in numbers and, and even the shared screen and webcam so we can still see each other as we're working. Tuesday was all about small business survival. The municipalities we work with are looking at their local community and the mom-and-pop shops that are there who are really being hit hard right now. Those shops that are having to close temporarily to adhere to the social distancing um, policies that we have in place. Our hearts go out to them and we're doing the right thing preventing spread by having these businesses close. But meanwhile, there's a heavy economic impact that comes out of that. Uh, JP Morgan Chase has a report, their research says about 50% of small businesses only have about 15 days of cash reserves built up. So retail strategies put together some documents to uh, supply our city leaders so that they could pass those down to their small businesses. Ideas about how to get creative, with selling gift cards, doing curbside pickup, just doing live streaming and selling if it's apparel or whatever your product might be. And Facebook has some good outlets for that. Instagram does as well. So how do you get your store set up online and with gift cards and really encourage local citizens to overtip and buy local if they can online. Shipped over to Wednesday, and it was all about rent relief. Um, Really looking at these uh, landlords that have had their their shops closed, and the the shops that are within them say, We can't, we don't know how we're going to pay April's rent. We have no income right now that we're seeing across the board right now, and that will continue. I think it's the biggest challenge in our industry right now is figuring out what that rent relief, rent deferment, rent abatement, how that works on both sides of the house. And it's ultimately about both sides working together, taking it on a case by case basis and people really only asking for what they need and working on it. Flip over to Thursday, under the leadership of Tom McGee, their CEO, has put together a letter that they submitted to President Trump that is about, Uh, including us as the retail industry and the relief packages that they're looking at, you know, hospitality obviously was hit very hard and they've, they received the initial wave of relief and focus. The next wave is retail and we need to be included in that with very fast action because uh, we don't know how long this is going to last. And so it was working with ICSC to, for advocacy to the members of Congress to say, don't forget about us, the retail world. Um, and then today has been getting together with different people and, and talking and just seeing what is most relevant than visiting with you today, Justin, on this podcast. You know, it is okay, how is our world going to look? How long can we endure what we're doing, what we're dealing with right now? And how is everybody individually impacted? There's not a single person in this world who hasn't been impacted by this. And just asking around, you know, if you back up and you think about every single person, that each person has a story about their personal impact from the coronavirus and what it's done to us personally and professionally. And it's just fascinating to talk to people and see how their world has been rocked just even in the last week. So my, my f- initial The the initial point that I felt this was actually when all, all the entertainment was canceled. So I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan. I had tickets to Pearl Jam in Nashville, Denver, and L.A., and I was so excited about it, and received the email that they're postponing the concert. Then you had South by Southwest, and then it started to follow with all the professional sports, the Masters, the NBA, and then it went to the schools. And so first, it was the fun things. But at that time, two weeks ago, the professional conferences were still a go. But several companies, especially the publicly traded ones, were putting travel bans on their employees. And so that and then even implementing work from home processes. So to recon a canceling, that was a, a big buzz um, a few weeks ago was initially ICSC canceled events up until April 10th, including the Carolina Side the Exchange. I was planning to go to Retail Live in Orlando. Those were canceled then. Uh, so that's really shifted our world within retail strategies and within the entire industry. So now that those professional conferences have canceled, then, then we're looking at work from home, uh, quarantining, uh, shops closing. I'm in Birmingham, Jefferson County. This week did implement curbside pickup only for their restaurants and bars. And I've been so impressed at the creativity of these small businesses and how they're doing this curbside pickup, how they're promoting themselves on social media, on their websites. Uh, one of the the bars that I enjoy right down the street, they were doing um, uh, cocktail kits to go. So you could come get the, the bottle of liquor and then they had the pre-mixed cocktails and, and you could come grab it, take it home online. They're doing live streaming to teach you how to be a bartender at home. And, and so they're getting creative, which I really appreciate that entrepreneurial spirit to uh, remain connected. And I appreciate the consumers who are recognizing that and supporting it. Uh, tomorrow, the farmer's market here in Birmingham is closed, but several of the farmers are are doing where you can pre-order online and they're going to have the packages where you can pick those up and take them back home. So uh, almost overbind to support the small businesses right now is important in looking at those gift card options.
0: I have planned to go to a Foo Fighters concert in Knoxville and that's on the, the skids as well. Oh, so, uh, man, I love the
3: food fighters.
0: Right. <laughs> oh. um, when you when you talk about those disruptions, how do those break down among different categories? It's not impacting all retailers and all and all consumers the same. How do you see that breakdown?
3: Oh, gosh, it's, that's a great question. I've spent this entire week asking everybody I talk to as how people are responding. So you have your upper class. Um, this is the well-born rich they have a safety net of money and they have they have they hold the majority of wealth in america they knew we were overdue for a market correction they've really enjoyed very positive strong economic times and a lot of economists had predicted anyway that we might see a dip this year and so several of them had shifted their assets Waiting for that market correction so then they could reinvest their assets. And and so that group is, is saying, yeah, they're investing in the market and essentially getting stock. They're seizing the opportunity, looking at what's happening and how they're shifting their income. Um, then you have the middle class, which is essentially the white collared salar- salaried employee who, um, what they're concerned about right now is buying toilet paper, and buying, buying baby formula, uh, dual income household. Both of the parents are working from home and the schools are canceled, but they're doing shifts back and forth about who's taking care of the kids versus who's working all day long and just the daily functions of productivity. Uh, but they're just kind of hunkered down and saying, we will get through this. You know, my salary will rena- remain in place this is interesting times, it's inconvenient, it's eye-opening, but are not overly scared about this, but very aware of what's happening. Um, The class that I'm most concerned about is the working class. These are the hands-on wage employees who don't have necessarily the financial security of the upper class or middle class. And potentially what, what they're looking at is, how are they going to pay their rent if they don't have a nest egg built up? They're, if you look about re, at retail, one in four jobs in America is a retail job. Uh, 15% of the GDP is retail. I, it's a huge portion of, it's the fiber of our economy. If we can't figure out how to get relief to the retail businesses and therefore the retail employees, in fast form, I'm very worried about how quickly we can bounce back from this. Um, If you look and see China's first case was around November that was reported And China is bouncing back. They are now able to go out in society, and they have it under control about five months later. I think we um, have looked at other countries and what they've done, and we have the advantage of identifying the severity of this and best practices. So ideally, then our our timeline will be shrunk by the extreme measures that have been taken, which which is very positive. And, And that's going to help keep our mortality rate low and prevent the spread so that we can recover quicker, which will help our economy recover quicker. Very hopeful. This is a, a slight dip, and there'll be a lot of winners that come out on the other side. There's winners, and there's losers, and there's survivors, and people really have to be smart about how they're their business strategies, how they're going to manage their cash right now, and communication is so key right now. All of our lives have been changed in the past week.
0: When we think about looking forward, and that's going to look different for everybody. But if we can break that kind of return to normalcy down into some type of time horizon, like a short and long term outlook, can you shed some light on that?
3: What I'm hopeful is that we will be back to normal by the end of May. I, I think we're going to see an economic boom at that time. What they're seeing in China right now is that people have been so pent up. And just like these events, your Foo Fighters concert, my Pearl Jam concert, are we going to get refunds for those? Uh, the gyms that we can't go to, are, are they charging us? So we've actually, we're saving a lot of money. And when we are released, we're going to go out in the world and spend that money. I think the first winners of this are going to be um, personal health. It's a personal care, excuse me. So uh, there's a big joke that. You're going to know everybody's true hair color (laughs) as we get through this. It's getting their nails done, their hair done, those type of things. I think fitness is really going to thrive initially. And then I think you're going to see a lot happen with apparel and all the other sectors. So we will see a large boom come out of that on the other side. You know, and I'm just hopeful that everybody can hold on long enough. And I think we're all in this together, which is so important that we all try to work together to get through this. Uh, short-term uh, isolation that we're in and then we'll, we'll be able to come out strong ideally on the other side there's several long-term effects that we uh, initially the hospitality industry next the retail industry I think you're gonna see a, a hit in office um, I'm curious to see As we're forced to work from home and use technology, I've learned how to use GoToMeeting and Zoom this week in a way that I've never used it before. Um, Even this week, I had a group of girlfriends and we did a Zoom happy hour, which was so much fun. We were able to share screen and pour our own wine and and still get to interact and see each other and laugh together and had a, had a great time. So I, I think that these are really going to be the winners right now, Is those uh, um, online platforms. And, and when we come out of this, are we going to recognize our abilities to do more online and incorporate more work from home programs? Uh, I'm curious to see the long-term effects of that. I'm curious to see that the working class and their ability to pay rent and what that's going to do to residential when that dip and potential recovery might come out of it. So I'll be curious to revisit this conversation, you know, six weeks from now and six months from now and be able to reflect back on these comments and and see – how accurate our predictions are, we, we will get through this and remain strong and, and we're going to be able to get back to normal by the end of the year. But we we don't know what kind of impact this is going to have.
0: If you were going to summarize some advice and encouragement, kind of what would that be?
3: Yeah. Well, I do think we, we all need to be smart right now. Um, Amazon's hiring 100,000 people. Domino's is hiring 10,000 people. There are companies out there that are hiring right now. The Great Recession of 2008 was when I started doing what I do now, working with municipalities. I was a tenant rep broker. Meet and and during that time, and and I shifted to consulting municipalities, which is absolutely the joy of my life, and been doing it ten years now. And and so watching those trends and and being smart, managing cash matters, and I think we need to get creative with what we're doing and really take action. I, I really encourage everybody to take a minute to look at the human aspect of this and and really just bond together and try to do the right thing. And moments like this that are trying, that we're all impacted by, they do bring us together. I, I've been so fortunate to have about three different groups so far just in this week who have, have reached out and said, let's have some conversations and and let's form a support group. And, and so I'd encourage each of you to think about forming your tribe. It gives you a reason to reach out to you unite with small groups in a way that we haven't had that reason in the past. These large conferences that we are used to attending physically, um, how can we shift to more of a micro approach and have small groups having really meaningful dialogue that's very intentional? And so forming your tribe and your support group, is it's a good time for that. I would just encourage everybody to watch those trends, watch the market manage your cash right now Uh, think about the services and products that will be winners from this and and think about how that impacts your business there are changes happening it's not a time to stick your head in the sand and hope for the best it's a time to unite with people who need help give help receive help and and we're all going to get through this together
0: well said. You're a great voice for the industry. Appreciate you.
3: Thank you, Justin. And thank you for continuing to put these podcasts together. I always love listening to people and their different perspectives. And and you do just such a uniting the right people as well. So thank you for what you're doing.
0: You got it. Let's keep in touch.
3: Absolutely. Have a great day.
4: I am the lead pastor at Jefferson City Christian Church, a uh, kind of small to medium-sized church here in our small little neck of the woods here in East Tennessee. Uh, it is crazy how how quickly things sort of changed. I would almost say two weeks ago, we we had heard about coronavirus, but we had not really made a bunch of plans regarding it. And then we got into the first of the next week and we said, okay, this is, this is something that people are paying attention to. This is something that we need to pay attention to. You know, we have to do communion every week. So we said, let's figure out a way to do that without people sticking their hands on the same trays. You know, we, we went ahead and ordered the little kits, and we were going to spread them out on a big tray. So people, you know, didn't have to put their hands in a basket or anything They could grab them, um, we, we wanted to remind people of stuff that we already do, you know, wiping down kids toys and common spaces in between every gathering, you know, since we do multiple services, just letting people know that we, you know, pay attention to that stuff. And then I think it was maybe just like two days later, I think more news about Italy and and the situation intensifying so much there, our governor in the state of Tennessee made a statement about um, gatherings of of 250 uh, or more people that he'd really, they'd prefer that, you know, them them asking that time to meet. And we got together with our leaders Thursday afternoon and said, you know, we need to talk about this. And at that time, we did not know of any other churches that were going online only in our area. So it was kind of a tough decision, but we knew that we affected a lot the lives of a lot of people. We were a fairly large gathering for our town. We said, yeah, let's make the move. We need to be out front in this to help with what we think is a you know, a healthy perspective. And of course, we actually made the decision. This is kind of interesting. We made the decision at that point um that it was going to be March 15th and March 22nd that we would not meet in large gathering but we were worried about kind of how that would be viewed as, for, as our people because people in general weren't you know really worried at that at that point so i said let's tell them about the 15th and I said, let's hold off just a couple of days. And I think that decision is going to start looking better and better. And sure enough, over the weekend, Jefferson County, our county, got its first case. Uh, Italy set a record, I think, for most uh, people passing away in a 24-hour period. Just all of the stuff started to come out. And then Monday, the president you know, made the statement about you know you know people not getting in in large groups together so that's when we felt like you know we really did make the right decision and got out in front
0: of it how did you roll that message out we
4: we had to do you know kind of multiple things with our people because we have a large kind of demographically diverse congregation lots of huge thing that so many people were part of is of course uh, social media And the biggest platform it seems to be as far as in our church that connects the most people was facebook so we said, okay, we've got to do something. we got, we got to post a video on here. We'll stick it on YouTube. But the thing that we wanted to communicate as far as, you know, while we're doing this, this is not because we're panicking or because we're fearful. There's obviously something going on in our community. And being a faith-based gathering, a gathering that's based upon the teachings of Jesus who teaches us to value others above ourselves, love our neighbors, this is a chance for, our to, for us to uh, love our neighbors and to be a, be a part of our community, making a decision really for the community, even though it was, uh, you know, affecting the lives of our con- just our specific congregation, kind of really to try to have an other-focused perspective.
0: On the, the economics of the organization, you rely heavily on people giving money. You change up such a major part of your process weekly. How has that impacted finances through the social media? Uh,
4: you know, honestly, it's a huge fear for churches. I think that there are plenty of churches that, um, even when we kind of knew that was the direction, I think there were a few, uh, you know, a, a lot of churches that uh, either didn't or really, really struggled to make that decision because of what you just mentioned. Our gatherings are, uh, for a lot of people, that's the reminder oh, yeah, I need to get. Give- and that's where they do it. Fortunately, a couple years ago, we started online giving, and so we have had a, a pretty good percentage of our people move to that. However, the lion's share of, of what we bring in is not online, and and so so there was that fear there. It's a, a, a significant impact. I think I think over the weekend, maybe twenty five percent of what we normally bring in came in. That's a huge a huge hit. Um, the, the fortunate thing is. Um, We've been a church that's been pretty financially responsible and we have a really healthy emergency fund already saved up. And so what our our thinking is, what our hope is, is um, that as people kind of see that this may be like not just a short-term thing, but this could be, like you said, you know, maybe quite a few Sundays, we think that people will start to make the switch. Um, That's our hope and that's our prayer. Um, Most people kind of in the church world who study this sort of thing, Think that maybe when we when we kind of get on the other side of people learning about it, churches will experience maybe a twenty five percent hit in their in their annual income this year. It's huge. I mean, it's it's, it's big, but it's not like the death of the church. Um, if every Sunday ends up being like this past one, where we only bring in twenty five percent of what we normally do, then we have to make a lot of tough decisions.
0: This isn't the first time that that as a nation we've wrestled with, with a real shock to the system. Yeah. It is, at least in my lifetime, the first time our nation's dealt with a pandemic. I can't remember another one. Right. What are some mindsets, some attitudes that people, whether they're in church or not, just some practical wisdom that folks in the business community can draw from? What's just a good, healthy way to look at this.
4: One of the ones that comes to my mind is that you know, in Ecclesiastes, you know, Solomon, King Solomon, known by many people even outside of faith communities as he was the guy who was really wise, right? Prayed for wisdom when he was offered anything in that one of the, I guess, collection of writings that is attributed to him or at least to his school of thought is that there's nothing new under the sun. And I think that, I think that maybe is, a, is a, actually a pretty wise piece of advice, this idea that this might be a new thing for a lot of us we as people and certainly as a faith community our god has been through difficult times before we are going to figure out how to adapt god will be with us and will lead us and bless us through it and so we've got to we've got to trust i think that's part of it i think another part of it is you never want to say that something like this is exciting because it's so so um, difficult for so many people but as an organization, you can look at it as exciting because it causes you to really do some self-assessment. It causes you to say, are we really doing what we need to be doing? You know, just like I mentioned a few minutes ago, I'm so thankful that we have been financially good stewards um, just with our spending as a church, because we do have uh, an emergency fund sitting there. You, tough times can kind of test your mettle um, and say and, and kind of test your behaviors. How have they been? Because those things in a practical way, um, not just from the standpoint of emotional and character, but in a practical way, set you up to take a hit, uh, whether you'll be able to take that hit or not. And so I think that that's part of it, just the whole self-assessment, using using a difficulty, you know, to look to look inside your yourself or your organization and say, you know, have we been doing the right things? And then, then I think another thing, sorry, I'm rambling here because other stuff's coming to my mind, but um, you have to distill your, your mission and your values in this moment because resources, we don't know what those are going to look like. Even, even things that we assumed about people's connection, we assumed everybody would get together on Sunday and, and love one another and say hi and be friendly. When those things are stripped away, uh, okay, what can we provide for people? What should we provide for people when we don't know what our resources are, uh, and maybe some of the things that we assumed in the past that would be there aren't there? Um, whether that's in the business community or for us, you know, as a church in the faith community, um, in in people's uh, social and, and religious lives, what is our role? Um, and let's strip it down and, and let's you know, let's laser focus on it.
0: John Emmert, pastor, friend. I appreciate you lending just some sage advice to this conversation. Do you mind if I check back in with you in 60 days or the same time next year? And- uh, yeah,
4: I, I, yeah. Hope, I hope I'm still in the same position 60 days from now. <laughs> Who knows what's around the corner? Uh, things are changing at such lightning pace. We'll just try to keep up. But, yeah, it's good to have this conversation and to get a chance to think it through. I appreciate you for reaching out.
0: I want to say thanks to all of the guests that made the time to let their voice be heard and their experience known. It means a great deal to me and I know to everyone who's had a chance to listen to it. So special thanks to everybody who contributed their time. I realize now that there's a lot more experience and voice that needs to be given to this topic and I look forward to doing more interviews in the future and releasing future episodes dedicated to this topic. Also on a couple of ICSC related notes. If you booked your recon trip through Airbnb, please note that their extenuating circumstances policy does not apply to the dates that recon was scheduled to happen. I find this is egregious. And if you're one of the 70,000 members who booked your trip through Airbnb because of the value proposition, you should be upset just like I am. And you should reach out to them and fight for a full refund. Also, the ICSC is doing an incredible job behind the scenes with the Political Action Committee. I know that they daily reach out to members of Congress. As the legislation is being drafted and implemented, there are things that are immediate and things that are long-term. And it's important that one, your voice is heard, but two, your voice is understood. And probably one of the most effective things you can do as it impacts our industry is to become a member of the ICSC, become a member of the Political Action Committee, and get educated about what those issues are. In future episodes, I plan to speak with members of the ICSC, and they can tell you firsthand what some of the things are that they're doing behind the scenes. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned.